November 11, 2023. It's a lot for Pedro's show. I think the majority of musicians are, are interested in truth. You know, they well, they got to be because uh, uh, thing, a musical thing is, is a truth. If you play a, make a statement, musical statement, and it's a valid statement, that's the truth right there in itself, you know. And if you play something phony, well, you know, that's phony, you know. And with all musicians are striving to that near perfection as they can get, and mm -hmm. uh, that's truth there, you know. And so, in order to uh, play those kind of things, play truth, you got to uh, live with as much truth as you possibly can, you know.
laughing in the light of his deep blue eyes The king decreed that the youth should know All the secrets of his treasure trove But never again would he roam free From that kingdom he would never leave The young man looked, the young man learned And never to his home did he return show fuck forgot to hit the monitor 22 years and a half of doing this and still blowing <laughs> clams people you can tell i'm not man alone mode here i got brother john wright all the way from hello up north uh, get it all up and working there yeah let me tell the people what they just heard they heard john coltrane talking to august bloom about truth and music june 15th 1958, then we heard something from No Means No called Youth. Somebody uh -huh. once told me that uh, youth is most wasted on the young. Uh, yes, yes. Well, uh, I guess you and I both uh, uh, had a lot of youth, and now it's uh, a little bit behind us. But, uh, uh, but you know, the way I'm approaching music again, uh, I kind of feel like I'm 25 years old again anyway. <laughs> they got this thing in Asia called Kanreki in Japan, they call it, but they got it in China and Korea, too. Like, if you reach 60, it's like round two. Right. Yeah. yeah. Why not? But, Why but let's not? go back, because I want to learn about your journey. Can you bring your earliest musical recollection, please? Earliest musical recollection? Uh, whew. Well, let's see. Um, Remember, it's uh, a Watt from Pedro a, show. There's no hard questions. There's no wrong answers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, music was always in my household. Um, my 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 parents uh, liked to listen to music, and they liked to dance and, and whatnot. Um, and uh, my father was, uh, was a huge music lover, but the only thing he could play was the radio, as we used to say. And uh, but and then, of course, my my older brother, Rob, you know, who I ended up, of course, 
making no means no music for so many years. He's eight years older than me, and 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 I also have an older sister, Shelley, who is ten years older. Um, so I was born in '62, and by you know the end of the '60s, they're all buying the singles and the records and all the uh, all the hip music at that time. The Beatles, of course. Uh, so there was always a lot of music going on. But you ain't got a singular, because some cats been on the show. They told me they heard stuff inside their ma's womb. Oh, well, I don't think I can go back that far. <laughs> okay. Okay, what about this pad you grew up in where your pop played the radio? Was there any musical instruments? Uh, my mother uh, my mother taught piano um, uh, for many years, and she had her family piano that uh, my, grand, my grandparents bought for her, I think. Mm, don't quote me on that. Um, uh uh, back in the 30s to learn how to play piano in the household and that piano still exists i still have it uh it's in the it's down in the in the pub that i attempted to own and run but um and uh, so that piano was always in the house and uh, my both my sisters i have another sister as well four years older um and myself all took piano lessons in the house um yeah, my my father had a guitar but never played it. Gave it to my brother. He won it in a poker game, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, and so yeah, there was uh, instruments did in you, the house. Did you did you jump on that piano? Yeah, I used to pound on it, uh, much to the chagrin of my mother. Did you have to uh, go use, through the... using it as a as a drum? <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It used to be in the rhythm section. You know, in the old days when it was everybody yeah. against the horns. Did you yeah. did you have to go through the the uh, well some people the, the ordeal of piano lessons? Uh, well, sort of. I mean, I didn't pay much attention. I wasn't totally into it until later in life. Um, and I started banging around on the on the shelves and the pots and pans. So my parents bought me a snare drum when I was like ten years old. And, um, you know, whatever. I had the snare drum. I banged around. Can I ask you about school? Were you in the choir yeah. or the marching well, band or shit the, like that? Yeah, no, not not marching bands. They're, they're, they weren't as popular up here as they are down in the States. But uh, uh, the, exactly, that's what happened. I, I uh, Grade 6, so I'm like 11. And we recently moved from Alberta. My, my father was in the, in the Air Force, so... We moved around, but I was late in the game, uh, so his last posting was out to the West Coast here in Canada. And actually, that was when the Canadian forces, for some reason, decided to amalgamate the forces, Navy, Army, and Air Force. Uh, so he ended up on a Navy base uh, to finish out his career there, his contract. And uh, so we moved to Victoria, and I started uh, grade six, and... and uh, they they had the school band and uh, I was oh I want to be in the school band so uh, went down and you have the sort of initial after school meeting uh, who's going to be in the band how many people and and the the teacher you know said who oh, who wants to play percussion who wants to play drums and of course about twenty five hands go up and he goes okay well everyone can't be in the percussion section so who here has a drum <laughs> it was like me and two other people. I have a drum. I have a snare drum. Okay, you're the percussion section. And that's how I got started. So that snare drum 
that my parents bought me was the reason I ended up in the school band. And, you know, who knows what I would have done musically anyway. But that's that's how it all rolled out. And, uh, yeah, I went through the whole uh, junior high, um, elementary, junior high, high school, school what? programs, which was all kind of orchestra stuff. But yeah. jazz and the jazz band is what I wanted. I wanted to play the drum set. And so, uh, yeah, there was a lot of trap kids. You know where yeah. that name Trap Kick comes from, right? What, well, no. What does it come from? Contraption. <laughs> New Orleans, right? It's invented in New Orleans, and they didn't know what to call it. So, yeah. Let, let me ask you this. What was the first record you bought with your own money? Oh, my God. A single. But I can't remember what it was. Mine was a single, too. It was from that yeah. Winnipeg band, Guess Who? Oh, really? American Woman. Uh, I remember getting 25 cents a week allowance, like in 1970 or something, and the single was 50 cents. And uh, so I remember negotiating with my parents about getting a, 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 an extra allowance early. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first gig you saw? Gig? Uh, hmm, 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 hmm. Uh, God, you're going way back for me here. I'll tell you my first gig concert with me and Dee Boone saw T-Rex, 1973. Oh, yeah. Uh, what did I see? I don't... Well, it, as I'm mentioning in, in school, uh, you know, I was getting into the jazz program, so I went and saw Buddy Rich and Thad Jones and uh, Muddy Waters, and uh, there was another biggie in there. Um, that Because Victoria was, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of music, and that's the other thing. Victoria is itself a lot of music and it, and it turned out in the end punk rock as well uh so a lot of big names came through victoria i can't remember exactly my very first concert um but uh uh you know it's a cheap trick <laughs> <laughs> okay come on, I, don't think I didn't see any of the big rock guys i wasn't really into the rock music at that time so understood I want to play I'll here. tell you the first gig that made me going to be a band. What's this? DOA. Yeah, great band. DOA and the Dish Rags at the university. My brother worked in the Commons Block, and uh, which is the place where the students would all go eat, the, the, the students that lived on campus. And it was a big hall they would eat in, and they would put music on occasionally, concerts. And I ended up working there part-time after school, in high school, and... My brother was into listening to a lot of the punk rock was coming out in the late 70s. He was totally into it, and uh, and I didn't really know too much about it. Uh, but uh, he said, let's go see DOA and the Dish Rags. Um, and I went, well, okay. And, you know, I'd never seen anything quite like it. And that's what, okay, well, we're going to be a punk rock band. Whoa. I want to play Dead Bob Party of One.
nose See libertas Untethered dark ride Hippodrome tracks Glow UV backlines Gilding the torch
for Pedro Show, that chunk of music style with Dead Bob doing Party of One. Then we had Ag- yeah. Agnes Steck after that out of Texas with Eleanor Skelter together over me. April Clocks, brand new. Disappearer. Wick Weaver, brand new. A bouncing neck. Scurry Dat, Bite the Walls. Brand new from position normal in England. This is part two of ten. Whistle conversion. The Boy Who Knew Too Much from Tobin Sprout, a new record uh, of his kind of odds and ends. Circus Dells, Bob Pollard, yet another prodge. The Ancient Transfusion Corridor of Drunken Madness. Dream Te- uh, Texas with Love It Anyway, brand new. Organs Out of Ireland, Groovy Bruce. <laughs> Finally, Dead Bob with Make Believe World. Okay. Uh. You, you kind of alluded to this, but no means no. That's your first band. Uh, pretty much, but not technically. Okay, my brother and I clear were, that up. Uh, clear that up for me. Yeah, the, my brother and I, um, you know, started right. He he was he had moved away from home. He was eight years older than me, and he moved back from Calgary uh, when we were in in Victoria by this time, and I was like sixteen. And and he brought back with him a TAC four track tape deck, uh, which was at the time. I mean, that was pretty state of the art home recording situation. You could overdub for Christ's sakes, and uh, uh, and he wanted. You know, he bought it. He was just like he was totally getting into playing music. He he self taught, picked up the guitar, uh, my father's guitar actually that I mentioned, and. Um, and so, and I was totally down. I was like, yeah, I was really, I've always been fascinated with recording and, and, and have been all my life. And um, so we just started banging around. We got a little mixer and, and some mics and, and, uh, uh, and started writing some songs. Um, but, uh, and we wanted to play, but so it's, well, if we're going to, you know, be a band, if we're going to do this, we better join a band and, and get out there and play. So before No Means No, we ended up in like in a bar band. A uh, local band in Victoria called Castle, uh, a fellow named Rob and uh, Rob Castle, and it was like you know hits of the '60s, '70s, uh, R&B kind of stuff. You know, stuff you do like four sets a night at a pub, and uh, uh, but so that's how we kind of got our feet wet to be go out into bars. And I was actually wasn't you know I could play in the bar, but I wasn't able to drink in the bar, um, and so that was. Just kind of get our feet wet, and uh, and definitely it was uh, it was a good experience to, to to actually get out into pubs and nightclubs and play. Um, so that was actually the first thing that Robbie and I did as in a band, quote unquote. And how long? Uh, that was probably only about a year doing that. And, okay. Uh, and then and, no means no. And then no means no. That name. We were bantering around names, and then Robbie saw it's an anti-rape slogan. It still is, I think. And uh, uh, he just saw it, no means no, painted on a wall somewhere, and he was like, "Yeah, that's what we should call ourselves." And uh, uh, and so we did, and we released a single, a half a single, shared one with. Well, a, can I with go a before that? What was the first no means no prac like? Because. You decide you're going to be a band. You're not going to be in Castle anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we were already kind of writing our own music. Oh, okay. And so Castle the first No Means No song is actually during the Castle days. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, I don't really remember what the it was. Some probably some blues jam. We was the first thing we recorded, but uh, um, uh, uh, you know, we released uh, we, we recorded a, a number of songs and then released one called "Look Here Come the Wormies," which was actually one of my songs. And because we could overdub, it had guitars and keyboards, and it was kind of a cheesy pop rock song. Um, but that was our, uh, uh, and then when we released that, what, 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 we did had, you have, have a, a name, and that was that's no means no. That's the first thing that the name appears on. Was and, and, were you writing songs before that? Well, how did you get into songwriting? That's great to hear that a drummer, you know, Chico uh, Hamilton couldn't even get songwriting credits. He said drummers don't write songs. Oh, I've been writing since I was in school. Okay. Uh, and, you know, as I was saying, I was kind of into big band and uh, in grade 10 when I was, well, I was 16, uh, I, I wrote and scored a song for the for the band, for the big band. That's kind a of a, That's kind of kind of like a Count Basie ripoff, you know, so, you know, it's pretty generic. But, um, you know, Count me, Basie, a, Count Basie couldn't read or write music. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could barely do it either. <laughs> No, but ain't, they, ain't that a student. trip? His thing was mainly riffs and stuff. I, I read this uh, yeah. recently, this Charlie Christian bio, and Kansas City plucked a lot of the cats from Oklahoma City, and they're talking about uh, Let me ask you this. Did you release No Means No stuff before there was a No Means No gig? No. Okay. Tell me about the no. first No Means No gig. Not uh, Castle. But first no means one. No. Uh, I can remember... I don't know if it was our first one, but maybe our second one was, uh, uh, we, well, actually the most impressive one, not the most impressive, but the strangest one is, was within the first three shows, we played uh, Maximum Security Prison <laughs> out in Matsqui, uh, out in, yeah, because my brother was in a, uh, uh, was in a relationship with a woman at that time. And she was, um, uh, she would correspond to prisoners, and uh, and and same as a, a good friend of hers. And they, I don't know, I don't know. They somehow like arranged for us to go play at the prison, which was the strangest experience. I an odd way to start out. Yeah, <laughs> let's put it that way. Now, John, you know, did you guys? Did we, you... we played as a, uh, just to finish that thought. We um, when we started, we didn't like I, I mentioned. It was just my brother and I. And when we recorded, we could overdub guitars and stuff. But when we decided to to be to go out and just be to play out after Castle, says well, it's just the two of us, bass and drums. So we started to write at that point. Robbie kind of sat down. He really didn't know how to play the bass very well, but you know his guitar playing and then eventually his bass playing. Uh, became like playing a guitar, so he kind of picked up the bass from that perspective, and and then we started writing those early songs that you hear on the album Mama that we released in 1982. Uh, so um, so we started playing as a two piece, and about we released the signal in 1980, released an EP in 1981, and at that point decided we'll play live as a two piece. So about 1981, we started playing live as a two piece. And, Before that, uh, how were you playing live? Bass and drums, and Robbie did all the singing. Oh no! Mostly. But before that, you said from the yeah, first gig you were a two piece. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, the, okay, exactly. okay. Apart from Castle, Castle, we were in the bar. Yeah, band. I understand. We were the but, section. Yeah, right. The, 
the first No Meets No shows were just my brother and I. Yeah. And it's kind of why we ended up, you know, I sat on the on stage left uh, from the musician's point of view. I guess stage right from the from the eyes point of view because we played uh, we played a show in Victoria, I think, and then we ended up going over and playing Vancouver uh, uh, right away. And we set up, you know, we get there, we're backing up one of the backup bands, the opening band or something. So the drums, there you go, you sit in the middle and my brother's out in front of me with his back to me. And we went, well, this is completely stupid because yeah. there's only the two of us. I we agree. might as well face each other. Yeah. Uh, so right away, I moved out and onto the front of the stage, off to the right, and and we played that way forever after that, which was kind of the old, for me, it was kind of normal because the drums would set to the side in school all the time in the jazz bands and um so it was kind of it seemed like a natural thing but yes the the first shows were just my brother and i uh although can, we never can i ask really you how the prison show can i ask you how the prison show went over it well it it was uh hard to say uh, about half of the people left after about two songs they weren't obliged to stay and watch the show um uh, probably more than half but there was yeah, maybe 250 inmates, somewhere in there. So I'm thinking way back. But, uh, um, but uh, yeah, you know, probably 50-plus stayed to the end. And, you know, there was, I think, nothing like any of them had ever imagined, seen, or had ever seen. <laughs> Certainly it was the strange, strange uh, situation for us. Uh, and... Uh, but uh, I remember one guy got out of his chair and started dancing around, but, you know, they had to behave themselves. So uh, it was odd. It was odd, but, uh, yeah, uh, you you can only imagine, I guess. I don't know if you've ever been in it. That was the one and only time I've ever been in a prison. Um, thank God. I think some of the subhumans had to go to prison. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the original. The base man, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he took his politics a little too seriously and planted a bomb. Went to prison for that. Yeah, yeah. Look, we're at the end of the first hour of the November 11, 2023 edition of Watford Peter Show special guest, John Wright. Uh, hold tight for hour two. November 11, 2023, second hour Waffle Pedro Show. Yeah. 
shrinking into shadows out of sight Cause I'm sinking, yeah I'm sinking in the sand Show start off second hour, Dead Bob. That was too easy. I was getting enlightened off air people by uh, hearing about John writing uh, a TV jingle and using his 70 influence because being him, <laughs> yeah. very much product of the 70s. Absolutely a product of the 70s. Right. Calling John, John after that with Light It Up, Blobby with Gugliani, MB Jones. Haunted by the video phone, Susie Analog and Jay Lynn with Nice to Meet You, and Docs Electric with He Yay, Naylene, and finally Dead Bob, Just Breathe. So, uh, you know, no means no. What, what, is it Dad? The one with all the uh, reference to, uh, Ulysses and Jim Joyce. Oh yeah, the, uh, was well, that my, you or my, your brother Rob? That was my brother Rob. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Because I was big time into that book too, and that always tripped me out. In fact, I there's one big poster of the the pieces, the separated and destroyed, or whatever. Uh, oh yeah, I got that in my prac pad. I use it for inspiration. I always think of Dad, even though that, that ain't Dad, but. Yeah, uh, it was a trip that there was another band at the same time as Minutemen getting into that stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, that that's all my brother. He was has was still is uh, a huge James Joyce fan, and actually has has he said he's he's claimed to have read all the way through Finnegan's Wake about three times or something. <laughs> Says he was just he says well I was by the third or final maybe it was more. He says, I was starting to, you know, get some semblance of what was going on. <laughs> I think it's about uh, his kids. I've never, I myself have never read any James Joyce. Um, I remember one of our early posters, though, uh, uh, from back in Victoria in the early 80s, had uh, a quote from James Joyce, why do I am a look like a passport? Yeah, absolutely. I remember that. <laughs> but yeah, he was, I'm afraid I can't talk too much about him. You'd have to talk to my brother about No, but the whole that. idea of, of being in a band and some guy unloads some stuff on you that you ain't familiar, but you want to make the band work, right? Yep. So you you do your best, uh, but you were talking about you presenting him with songs. I didn't know that. That's great. That's so oh, fucking yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of the music uh, was a collaboration of my brother and I. He was... You know, certainly uh, the main uh, singer-songwriter, he was the singer mostly. There was a period of about two years in the mid-'80s when he blew his voice out. And, uh, and was, this was after Andy Kerr had joined the band with us as a guitar player. And Andy took over the vast majority of the lead singing for a couple of years, which was great that he was, well, he was a great guitar player, front man very capable and uh and that really kind of saved her ass that might have been the end of it right there 
Um, but and then Robbie regained his voice um, towards the end of the '80s, and then just it was just you know, then it was great guns. After that, his voice dropped at least a half an octave, and he became an incredible singer. Um, but I wrote a lot of music. I wasn't too much of a lyricist. Uh, some songs were entirely mine, words and music. Uh, everything in the end, of course, was a product of rehearsal. Uh, but uh, I brought a lot of music, and he wrote a lot of words for that. And that was actually, um, you know, kind of putting together this Dead Bob and '80s putting out alternative tentacles is re-released in the No Means No Back catalog now. And I was looking back, going, you know, wow, there was a lot of songs, a lot of collaboration of my music and his words. And I never really thought about it too much, but a lot. And um, and Lifelike, which is the title track of Dead Bob, um, the reason that song, I released it again, uh, was because we put it out in 1998, I think, on um, uh, Dance of the Head was Bourgeoisie. It was, a, uh, it was kind of a, not an outtake, but not, not sure it even ended up on, I guess it was on, it was on the, uh, it was like on the double vinyl, you know, it was kind of relinquished to obscurity right off the bat. And we did a good version of the song, um, but we weren't quite the right band for it. And um, and I found the old demo, my original demo that I used to demo songs on a Korg M1, which I still have, actually. When it was the end of the 80s, I think I bought it in 1990, starting to get into, uh, you know, uh, looping and all this sort of stuff on a keyboard. And uh, and. And, and I listened to it, and I went, you know, you know, this song was kind of written as a pop song. And uh, and I thought, you know, I'm going to redo this song just for my own, uh, uh, you know, pet project. Uh, there was no thought of releasing it. There was no any inkling of Dead Bob existing at this time. This was about three years ago. And and I says, I, you know, I want it to be layered. I want it to be more choral. I want it to be both man and woman singing, and 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 just be more of the pop song that it was kind of written as. Um, but and I ended up just really liking what I ended up with, and I, a woman named Selena Martin, uh, uh, an incredible singer and a great songwriter on her own. Um, I don't know her well, but I've met her and uh, a few times and. And I thought, oh, she'd be a great singer for this song. And she lives in France now. She's Canadian. Um, and she was like, yeah, sure, I'll sing it. So it's one of these kind of file-sharing things, you know, uh, emailing some files back and forth. And so I kind of assembled that. Um, but And one of the reasons, too, is, as I mentioned before, this collaboration with my brother, I always thought that was, like, like really one of the, the, the best ones, a real standout. Uh, his words and, and the... the, the, the the, the the sort of feel of that song just went so well with the music and yeah okay it's a bit of a pop song but I, I really thought it was a, a success in marrying his words to my music which we've done many times so I was really happy to redo it and and then when the whole thing about releasing a record came around earlier this year yeah we're uh, going to get said, to Fuck that it, man <laughs> Fuck it. I'm just gonna I'm putting this song up I love it I gotta uh, tell you and, John. <laughs> We ain't going to hear that till the beginning of the third hour. I didn't know you were going to spiel about it now. But let's hear some more, more for thing, and then we'll get into the, the Dead Bob manifestation. <laughs>
start off that Chuck Music with Dead Bob doing, I'm going to make you cry. Even though we're talking about life, like we're going to hear that at the beginning of the next hour, people. Jess Joy after that with the other cheek. Marty Stern, Plain Speak. Eugene Chadbourne. Wendell Hardy's dad made ice cream. Regana with DTA. Ray Shin with War on Self-Reflection. Finally, Dead Bob with No Tomorrow. So Dead Bob actually starts with the reworking of a tune that was kind of, well, I don't know. It was a no-means-no tune, but not front burner. Uh, is that uh, Lifelike you're talking about? Yeah, the one we're going to hear next hour. Because yeah, it's yeah, actually yeah. what starts, because I wanted to get into this Dead Bob Proj. I mean, this is right. what made me aware that you were active with music again. Yeah, the, the uh, 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 well, you know, as I mentioned, Lifelike being more of a pet project for me uh, before there was any designs of a band or releases. Um, but, yeah, so much music that my brother and I wrote together. And the first song, or no, the second song on the album is, um, uh, uh, what's it called? White Stone Eyes. And that is... A no means no, not, not not a no means no song, but that was another Robbie, my music and Robbie's words, trying to put it together uh, back again at the late 90s, early 2000s, I can't remember exactly when, that just didn't go anywhere. Uh, it's in the key of C, drop C on keyboard as I wrote it, and Robbie, you know, he could, well, this was... It wasn't working to play live on bass. We tried to tune it up to, to, to E, and it just didn't sound right. It was just a song that was a good idea and never really went anywhere with the band, but uh, something that I revisited again later um, uh, towards the end uh, when I moved up here to Lund, the end of the road here in British Columbia. Uh, uh, I had It was like the first time I lived by myself, uh, as a matter of fact, and I got a lot of writing done. I got really back into old demos and new demos and and got busy on a project with the band of robots from berlin compressor head and and again uh, this is a a song i revisited and uh, so that song is one of the last uh robbie and myself uh, collaborations uh, that's out there uh, he did not participate in the in, in the in that recording at all or even in the way i arranged it i just kind of did it myself and said hey i finished that song Rob." <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it goes sometimes though you know yeah. i love it man i love it i i want to get into dead bob uh more when we hear lifelike because we're at the end of uh Second hour, November 11, 2023, Dish Peter, so special guest, John yes. Wright. Hold tight for hour three, people. November 11, 2023, it's the third hour of the Waffle Peter Show. Bye. 
reverberating beat with the mothers of humanity. Those murmurs fill my ears, but the voice of God I cannot hear as I walk along that busy street. Although there's nothing left to seek, the streams of the tears of Life makes sense 
Bob for Pedro show start off third hour. Dead Bob doing lifelike. Then we yep, heard Crane get, doing get Where the- We Belong. Add a Vin with False River. Rusk to build a farm. And Dead Bob, White Stone Eyes. <laughs> Tunes you were just talking about. So, too bad I didn't have that at the beginning. But you know what? Yeah, I keep getting I, ahead I think, of you there. <laughs> John, I think, what, you know what I did? I didn't know what sequence to put him in. So I think it went from the shortest tune to the longest tune. Oh, so that's the go. way it hey, fucking hey. panned out. So, t- okay. Now, Dead Bob is just a record. Did Dead Bob ever do a gig? Dead Bob is going to do our first gig ever uh, 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 next Thursday. November the 16th in Kamloops, British Columbia. Uh, we ended up booking nine shows or eight shows. Well, eight official shows and one kind of party, private party show uh, it, over the next three weekends. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to give it a go. Uh, the the When I put the record together, I was saying it was like kind of revisiting a lot of old demos and songs and started when i moved up here i I eventually built a workshop and realized i could put my drum set in it i haven't had my drum set where i've lived since like 1985 or something and uh uh, that's a little bit always out of practice place and uh well there was one year no one year in in vancouver when i moved over there in 93 i think we had in one year in a house i had my drums in the basement but uh that doesn't matter really. Um, but the point being is that, uh, I was able to COVID came along and I was able to have some time and started revisiting these old songs, as I said, and started putting live drums down on them. They were all demos and a lot of loops, a lot of program drums and stuff and to start to make them into real songs. I started to replace all this with real drums just as a start and was like, well, I was digging it. I was liking it. It was, it's like, okay, this is my, I'm going to finish a bunch of these songs. Um, so, uh, but there was, uh, once again, no idea of being a band, no, no idea of becoming uh, a, a live act again. And um, so there was no band. I could do whatever I wanted. I'm going to put this instrument. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this sound. Uh, and um, and some of those early things, I don't even know how I, I don't even know how I got the sound. So here I have... <laughs> Three years later, two years later, I have an album with these songs, and now they we have to reproduce them. <laughs> They've literally never been rehearsed. They weren't put together as a band. It was an entirely different approach to writing altogether. Uh, but maybe that's it, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's been a – I mean, I kind of taught myself how to play to the grid, you know, and all that sort of stuff. It's been a good experience uh, working in the digital world on the computer and – um, and then in the end, though, I couldn't, uh, I said, well, I want to release some of this stuff. And uh, to finish it, I don't want like digital horns and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I wanted in my guitar playing and certainly my bass playing is pretty rudimentary, shall we say. So, uh, there's stuff I wanted to be replaced by people who actually could do it. And I, you know, so I reached out to some friends and, uh, one was Byron Slack, who plays in a band called Invasives, which I think you would really like. Uh, yeah. Awesome, awesome band. Uh, toured with No Means No and the Hanson Brothers several times. A good friend. He's a great guitar player uh, and drummer. Uh, so he, I got him to. Uh, he, he actually, we collaborated on one of the songs for the Robot Band. Compressor Head was is a song that 
uh, he wrote and I programmed for the and uh, and then he sent me some demos for some other stuff and and I ended up taking one of his songs the opening track to the album Just Breathe is actually written mainly by Byron and I kind of turned it on his head I rearranged it I changed changed it quite significantly but so he's there on the album and um, and then another fella Ford Peer who I've been working with in different projects since the early 90s. Um, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I'm not a pro prolific lyricist, so a lot of the uh, what was missing in a lot of songs was some lyrical content, some some words to put focus. And uh, he's quite a prolific letter. So I reached out to him. I sent him some demos, and he ended up writing um, That Was Too Easy. That's his words that I put to 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 some music of mine uh kind of crazy because he wrote them for another song <laughs> these don't really work and I, wait a minute they work perfectly for this song and then i sent it to him so he said well there's your words it's just not on the same song that you wrote them for <laughs> but wow uh, uh, are, are so, any of these know, songs I was mixing matching arranging i was you know i was really fucking around with everything yeah are any uh, of these songs 100 percent you Hundred your... percent me. Uh, no tomorrows you mentioned. Yes, uh, that's a hundred percent me. And uh, and I even left the 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 the, the Apple Loop that, that that song is based on because um, that whole song was written around that loop. Oh wow! And, what uh, about yeah. what, what about one of you? Uh, one of you. That's uh, that's a hundred percent me as well. And that's uh, again the opening snare drum to that is an Apple Loop. I just found this some Brazilian loop, and and I said, "Oh fuck, I love that! I love that snare feel. I love that rhythm. You know, I love rhythms on snare drums." And um, and so I just strung it out for a few minutes and started creating a song on top of it, and it evolved quite a bit from that. Um, but well, live, I was saying Byron, who was playing with me live, Ford is playing with me live. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, a woman named Christy Leodette who came up and did some trumpet playing for me. She's also a guitar player, keyboard singer. She's in the band. So Ford's taught himself how to play trombone. So I got a little horn section going. Um, oh. But um, uh, as I said, Byron plays drums. So that song, we open up with the snare drum, and that's Byron on snare drum. So we get that rhythm cooking. And well, Yeah, uh, let's listen one to one of, of you right now.
ever have one of those days. in the air, hit the sky and clouded over. I wasn't aware, I was too bored to care. Now thunder rock, no lightning crack, no missiles ring from the sky. This was no sneak attack. There was just suddenly this awful lack. Things had changed, that's for sure. Everything became nothing. You couldn't put your finger on one hand gone wrong. The alleys were still dirty. The garbage still smelled. There was no panic in the streets. Just a lot of grief on people's faces in their eyes. A mixture of horror and total surprise. This was no apocalypse. No one heard a voice from the sky. There were no miracles at the 7-Eleven. No one screamed, no one even asked why. It was just like everything had somehow quietly died. So let it die. Common was good sex. And now I couldn't even remember her address. 
scientists got together and we formed a committee to discuss the problem. We talk about things like assured mutual destruction and emotional responsibility. Yeah! I couldn't remember my name! So I called myself Bob. It's weird being a Bob. But I'm getting used to it. Maybe I even like it. Oh! Watch for Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Start that chunk off with Dead Bob doing one of you. A safe call from Jumpstart Plow Arts. Volkskimfanger. Volkskimfanger. Yeah. <laughs> Dutch, Dutch band. <laughs> yeah. This has got, uh, you know who li- is in, in Holland now? It's Andy. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been he, living he's there. Been... Yeah. And this is yes, called Moan, uh... and he's a buddy, this guy. Yeah. Uh, he works at a oh, Paradiso. Really? This guy, AJ, you might know him. He had a band called Donkey where he played bass. Now he's got a couple other projects where he plays guitar. He oh, gave yeah. up the bass. Like, like you're uh, giving up the drums to play guitar in this band. Oh, and finally, No Means it. No, never live 2009, the day everything became nothing. Can't tell you the venue, but when you hear it, you'll probably know. So, so yeah, tell me about this. I know you, with Hanson Brothers, you became a front man and left the drums. Yeah, that was uh, just for fun, a pet project. Uh, we had actually began writing Hanson Brothers style music, like the Ramon style, Hanson Brothers. And the name even came up back in like 85, 84, 85, right? You know, Andy hadn't even been with us that long. When, and, and we did a thing called No Means No Clones or Ramones, you know, because No Means No was a kind of all this kind of eclectic music. And uh, and just for fun, for a party in Victoria, we decided just I would dress up as Joey and we would play a Ramones set, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, you know, Ramones loving fans out there have done. You know, you know uh, Joey was a drummer at first, right? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, he wasn't. Before Tommy, Joey was the drummer. He was the drummer. That, that was that in like 74 or 75. 73, I think really early, you know, before there was yeah. a Tommy. Yeah, people don't realize just how long the Ramones were around before that, uh, before 76 when that first album came out. They were around a long time. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 but, so the idea was to have fun with this, and then we're like, oh, let's just for fun write some straight-up pop-punk kind of Ramon-style songs. So we, so we wrote like six, kind of whipped them out. And uh, um, and then, you know, whatever. It's, it was just something we, we eventually wrote some more and maybe played live. And and, uh, uh, and it wasn't until – it was actually after Andy left the band in 1991. Uh, we'd finished touring Zero Plus Two Equals One, and Andy – stayed in amsterdam actually right uh moved over there um and uh but andy and i had and ford pier actually was just very very close to becoming part of this uh project of tom holliston's called the show business giants and uh so we were all friends and we were doing that too um 
And uh, and then after Andy left and Nomi Snow was in a bit of a hiatus, uh, it was just Rob and I kind of figuring out what we're going to do. Uh, Greg Workman at Alternative Tentacles ended up hearing like six of these Hanson Brothers demos and went, you guys, you got to put this out. You got to put this record out. You got to make a record. This is awesome. And and we're like, oh, okay, well, we got nothing better to do right now. So uh, we got Tom, uh, Tom Holliston, to to join up with Robbie and me and record Gross Misconduct. And then Tom did some writing, and uh, and that's how that record all came around. And that was how Robbie and I began playing with Tom. I mean, I played with Tom also in his band, The Show Business Giants, but that was kind of how we all got together. We did that. We went down to California, actually, did a tour in, in 93, I guess, and um, and they were like, well, Tom... You know, do you want to you want to try playing No Means No stuff? And and uh, he was like, you know, he was I'm a bit nervous, I guess. Maybe Andy's were big boots to step into, and it's sure. kind of a, a little bit of a, the style of No Means No was not really what he was used to playing. But he, you know, he said sure, and he uh, he dug in and started rehearsing and learning and practicing, and and then ended up, uh, you know, it was Tom and Robbie and I for another twenty years. Yeah. Now, you're saying, though, Hanson Brothers and you being the lead singer and being lead singer for Dead Bob ain't exactly the same thing. No, not when you're playing drums. <laughs> I swore to I swore to myself, the next band I'm in, I'm not singing. I just want to play the drums. And, well, that, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I got to sing and play. It's, oh, it's a nightmare, Mike, I tell you. It's just not. It's you mean just for hard. these gigs, these nine gigs that are coming up, you're gonna play drums and sing at the same time? Yes, but and oh, because fact, I thought the other cat who uh, helped in the studio was okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I have had to spread some of the vocals around. There's a few things I just physically can't do. Uh, so in the rehearsals that we've been doing uh, for the last few months, uh, uh, I've been having to delegate some uh, songs over. Uh, you played the, you know. Uh, make-believe world right um i basically don't sing almost anything on that song ford and christy look after the lead vocals i help in the background stuff like that you know i i physically can't sing everything um and it's not necessarily from a stamina point of view it's more just it's awkward it's like when you when your mouth is locked to a microphone and your brain is in singing mode it's hard to it, you know, you're the drum. You have to compromise somewhere, um, and uh, so there's some stuff I'm doing on the drums. That I just, I just really need to concentrate on what I'm doing and not having my yeah, it makes sense. In a, yeah. It's, it seems like the studio dead Bob, maybe more man alone in its conception. Totally, yeah. But yeah, then the live dead Bob alone, yeah. is more of a collab between the members, so you can realize yeah. the tunes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and certainly, hopefully, we'll become more of this. is a bit of an experiment right off the bat. Like I say, we're just playing our very first show coming up. And, right, right. And yeah, we need to see how this band begins to develop as a band, uh, and not just as a vehicle to reproduce stuff that John Wright recorded in his workshop. So right. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that either, but I mean, yeah, I could see it you, you, kind of launch pad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you know, like I say, uh, Ford is, you'd really like Ford Pier. You should find Ford Pier's 
some of he's got tons of records. I was okay. listening the other day. I was and, and I was going. You know, I think I think you would really enjoy this. He's very eclectic. He's very interesting. It's very musical. It's really different. Um, it's a bit of a love it or hate it. There's some people that don't like Ford because it's just too much for them, and other people that just you know they love it for that reason. Uh, he's very musical, uh, but eclectic and uh all right with me. And so he's a great writer uh, like i say he wrote that song he's written two more songs on the next record which is almost you mean basically done. okay there's another dead bob record coming there's two more i have like i had like i don't know 40 songs or something oh wow dead okay. bob is sort of okay. like you know the clearing house of sure <laughs> sure so, okay, yeah, so it's not just wait—it's so. not just wait and see how these gigs go. These albums are going to come out no matter what. Well, no matter what, I'll, yeah. If it, if it all, you know, if it all falls flat, I'll still self-release. I want to, you know, I, I enjoy this music. And uh, what, when was I'm the really, next one? When do you plan to put the next one out? Uh, well, I don't. Next year, uh, we'll pick a time. We got to get some artwork, but it's more concentrating now on. I was hoping that we'd already have played by now, but it's just things are taking time. So it's, you know, getting all this, turning on all the engines again. You know, like well, I can't straight, come see like the gig. Seven gigs or something. You've been gigging constantly forever. Yeah, yeah. And, but I'm ten years out of the game. So, uh, and even though No Means No has a, a reputation and and whatnot, I have that pedigree. I guess you there there are people who want to talk to me, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, which is awesome. So we're not starting from scratch as a band, which I can't be unbelievably hard these days. So crowded and just so much going on. And but, uh, um, but we're not going to just we're not just picking up where nobody's no left off either. So we're still a new band, and people need to get to know, get to see. So uh, it's things aren't uh, like I say. I was hoping we'd already be played shows by now but they're taking some time so next year it's a matter of trying to get down we're going to get down your way in march oh uh, that would be beautiful and look i want to put plan. out the invite right now when this yeah. second record is ready to come out will you come back on the show and we can play it and talk about it oh absolutely yeah uh, absolutely great. and and it's kind of goes in even a little more different direction so um you know i don't shy away from you know, bouncing around genres a little bit. and That's uh, great. Uh, so it's a little bit more, I don't know, like No Means No is that pretty hardcore three-piece. Uh, you know, of course, it was all over the place as well. But this one is just a bit more, as, as a five-piece, we've got more voices uh, at, at our disposal. So a little bit different that way. A little bit different. And like Sorry, I said, that me... takes time to gel as a band. Yeah, sure. Right. Well, I, look, it's coming up next week. I can't, I wish you all the luck. Keep the keel Thank in the you. water, but let, you know, let that freak flag fly. Well, yeah, hopefully if uh, we get this tour booked, we're thinking of heading out to South by Southwest by Via San Diego. So um, we'll probably do about three weeks down in the States. Um, so, yeah, I'll be down your way. There's a club goes, in right? Pedro called the Sardines. See you about playing there, man. I think you'd dig it. Yeah. Oh, right on. Okay. <laughs> I can Absolutely. make sure it happens. <laughs> I so we'll talk. I got to thank you so much, John, for being on the show. It's a huge, huge honor to have you aboard. Thank oh, you so well, much. Oh, well, I have to thank you as well, Mike, for inviting me. And uh, uh, 
And my son, I was telling you, my son Liam was quite excited. I'm speaking with you because uh, he's a big Minuteman fan as well, and <laughs> and he was really digging that. Uh, uh, well, I can't remember the name of your album though. It was quite a while, '94. Um, Bog or tugboat? Oh, yeah, no, no. But after that, oh. engine room. Yes, contemplating the engine room. Yeah, which I quite enjoyed as well. My first opera, yeah. Well, tell tell him thank you and thank you, Johnny. That that means a lot to me, and I can't wait till we spiel again. Okay, so Absolutely. good luck on these gigs coming up. I'm pulling for you. All right, thanks. Okay, uh, till next time. Like I said, let that freak flag fly. Big love from Watt. People, it's been the 11th November 2023 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.